welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle, and we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of our favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. We're going to camp this week with a double feature, Heavyweights in Camp Nowhere. Heavyweights is a movie that was produced in 1995 by the Disney Company, and it is about a child who is a little hefty, and his parents decide to send him to fat camp to help him with his weight. And when he gets there, apparently the camp has been bought out and it's not this kumbaya camp anymore where he gets to drive go-karts and have fun. It is now owned by an insane person. It is an insane person. Tony Perkins, played by Ben Stiller, who is pretty much get rich quick scam artist slash fitness enthusiast. Yes. And so it is the the boys of the camp trying to get rid of this, this dude and the things that he does to them. I don't know. It is bizarre and I didn't like it. <laughs> Jackie, we have to wait till we do our readings. <laughs> Well, that's our first real <laughs> hot take, and we haven't even gotten to the ratings rewind. Well, I guess that's a great segue. If you want to watch both movies, you can see them on Disney Plus. So let me just go right into the ratings rewind because Jackie's ready to blow people. So here's how it goes. Before we get into the, any movie, we always reveal our Y2K ratings versus what our current day selves would give a particular movie. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five day rental. Would watch again. Two day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same day rental. Trash. Straight up trash. <laughs> so since we're starting with um, heavyweights, Jackie, what is your rating? Not that we don't know already at this point well so let me tell you I remember only watching this movie once when I was younger and it has led to a lifelong dislike of Ben Stiller to where mm-hmm. like I don't even like watching any of his movies I have a couple of actors where their acting was I guess so good that like in my mind, I connect them with that acting performance in everything that they do. And I just, I, I did not like Ben Stiller's character in this movie. And so I have a really hard time watching him even to this day. Um, so I would probably say two day rental as a child. Like, I feel like if it had been on the Disney channel or my siblings were watching it, I would probably watch it, but two-day rental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be real hard on this podcast with, you know, we're right in Ben Stiller's sweet spot. So boy, oh boy, buckle up. As for my rating, and I don't think this should come as a surprise to any single person who listens to our podcast. I don't remember this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I remember the movie per se. I remember that the plot, I know I watched it at least once. And whenever I have that kind of feeling, 
where it's just like kind of lukewarm, where it's just like not even memorable, you know, there's usually a reason. Yeah. So (laughs) I can say that without a doubt, I had no nostalgia ties to this movie whatsoever. And I'm sure there's a ton of people. That's why they love it still because there's nostalgia tied to it from their Mm -hmm. childhood. I'm going to give it a two day rental because I just don't remember it because I feel like if it was memorable enough, I would either love it or hate it. And since I don't remember, it's going to just linger right there in the okay, but nothing to write home about who, but um, before we get in, Jackie, I just want you to know, I got props for this episode. I am ready to go to camp. I got my camp counselor shirt on. I got my matching backpack. Oh gosh. Yep. Matching (laughs) all. You have your name tag, I Counselor do. Danielle. You can call me Counselor Danielle all my days at shout out to Pinecrest Day Camp. One, <laughs> two, three. Yes. So for this movie, I'm going to wear my camp counselor name tag because I feel like I would have to be a counselor in this situation. Okay. This is not a camp I wanted to go to, so I'm not a camper. <laughs> okay. I had to get paid. That's the only way I feel I could get through this movie. So where are we going? We're going to camp, Danielle. (laughs) So the movie starts out. We meet the main character, Jerry. He seems just like a typical kid. It's the last day of school. And immediately from the, the opening scene, it's just fat shaming. Yes. I, I mean, the moment you meet this kid, it's every single person that he interacts with, they go out of their way to try to make this kid feel like shit or just be absolutely cruel and mean. And yes, I mean, and he seems like a nice kid. I think from the gaze of, of anybody who has been different in any way, but especially overweight in this country, the fat shame, the it, how it's just embedded in everything that we do. And I, I can't even imagine as a small child what that feels like where, you know, you have people just kind of picking at you and not just letting a kid kind of be a kid. I mean, especially yeah. at home, which we learn later, but like, you know, kids are going to be cruel at school, but at least have some sort of safe space. And, and this kid doesn't even feel like he has one. No, he's walking by, um, he misses the bus. And so he has to walk home and he walks by a baseball field and there's like a little league game happening. Yeah. Which is weird because like, maybe cause the kids look older. So I was like, is it elementary? Cause they just got out of school. Yeah. So what's happening? How do we have time to like already get to the game suited up and right on the field. <laughs> so they're like, the ball goes over the fence. There's a whole stand of parents watching the game and poor Jerry, they're like, throw the ball back. First off, scene. when they ask him to throw the ball back, it's the high part of the chain link fence behind the catcher. It's high on purpose. Right. So the balls don't go into the stand. Right. And they're like, throw it back. And then laughing at him, they can't make it like, why? Why? Right. Tell him to walk it around to the dugout. Like, Oh, I would have just left it there and kept going because they were being such assholes for no reason. And then he encounters a dog. And I even wrote, even the dog hates fat kids. (laughs) Like what the hell? And like the dog was very angry for no reason. 
That lady did not have control of that dog. Nope. But what I don't understand is as the dog has passed him, he turned around and barks at it. Why antagonize that dog? <laughs> He's, you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And um, then he stops at a lemonade stand and proceeds to drink the entire jug from the jug. The thing is, once he picked up the lemonade from the jug, the little girls didn't even try to stop him. Mm -hmm. Like they watched him and he got it all over the place. And then it just like ends the scene. You don't know what happens. You don't know if he paid for it. It was super weird. Well, it was like the fat kid has been walking too long. He needs a drink, but he doesn't just need a drink. He needs all the drink. Right. Then he gets home and it's super weird. So I went to camp and I've never had a camp recruiter come to my house. Ken said the same thing. Do they come to your house? I'm like, I don't think so. I think your parents just like, get a brochure and yeah. then like here this is the camp you're going to no one has to like like door-to-door salesman pitch yeah. a camp to anyone camp used to have like so they had the brochures but they used to have open houses so you could tour the camp um and if there were sleepaway camps there used to have open houses like at a rec center or somewhere else uh, off-site because obviously if it was out of state you couldn't go and see it mm-hmm. right um so yeah, and it became more confusing and I will talk about it when we get to Camp Nowhere because the same shit happens in that movie. Yep. So that it makes it feel like, okay, this is a thing that happens for camp. I don't know, listeners, if this is something that you know of that like you got recruited for camp, please tell us because we're confused. <laughs> I never went to camp and Danielle went to like a day camp. So we're not really well-versed in the camp the sleepaway camp situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, super weird. So he gets home. We meet his parents, his dad. You already get this feeling like he's a big douche. Um, and there's this really creepy guy. Like the, uh, the level of creep is so heavy. Like I'm like, did the director tell him to go that hard in the creepy direction? <laughs> like, it was weird. And it's a, it's, he's a character, the guy who plays that role is a character actor. So it's like, you've seen him a bunch of times, but you don't know his name. And we don't have to give you your name because it doesn't matter. It's just, he looked familiar, but you definitely felt the creep factor just go up to a hundred, like for and no let, reason. Let me um, just interject real fast. The dad is played by Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. And it was written by Judd Apatow yeah. and then directed by Stephen Brill. Never heard of him. Same. <laughs> so uh, we can completely, 100%, I mean, direction is a huge part. We can put all the blame on Judd Apatow, which so many of his other things that we I've watched of him, like Freaks and Geeks, I'm just like, how, how did we get here and go there? Right. So I, I will say it is also co-written by Stephen Brill. So it was Jed Apatow and Stephen Brill oh, wrote okay. it and then directed by Stephen Brill. But yes, I agree that Judd in his subsequent movies has done a really good job making, and maybe this was his first attempt at making the underdog like the star of the movie. Yeah. But it just... The other thing is, 
I feel like this movie always like toggles between is the is this kid the star of the movie or is it an ensemble yeah or is it because like it feels like in a lot of places there are different people who are kind of the star of the show kind of thing yeah I don't know that it it just my initial thoughts because I don't remember seeing it so the guy comes from to try to promote this camp and the video seems really cool the owners seem really loving who are both played of course by Ben Stiller's parents yep um and then it just kind of changes from this really fun we go swimming we're in the lake we have go-karts like promo video too Mm -hmm. It's a fat camp. Yep. It's a fat camp. Yep. So, yeah, he's not having it. But he goes anyway. And he has, it's out of state because he gets on an airplane to fly to wherever it is. And on the airplane, Roy, played by Kenan Thompson, sees another fat kid on the airplane and is like, he just knows. (laughs) He's like, you're going to fat camp, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah. (laughs) Stick with me, man. (laughs) And so when he meets Kenan Thompson's character, this is actually the first Mighty Ducks reunion, kind of. Well, not fully because Kenan Thompson and Aaron Schwartz, they weren't in the same movie. Aaron Schwartz was in the first Mighty Ducks movie, and then Kenan Thompson was in the second and third. Um, But we may see another Mighty Ducks alumni alum. Yes. And apparently Sean Weiss was not originally interested in acting in this film, but he changed his mind when he found out that if he did not act in heavyweights, he would not be allowed to act in D3, the Mighty Ducks. Because later Sean Weiss's character comes up. So that is when it's like a full on Mighty Ducks reunion. He's like that piece Mm -hmm. because he's been in all three movies. And I just think like, this movie is so just awful in the sense of like the fat shaming and just just not really having that good message. And we have to remind you that Disney in this time period as a company is a totally different kind of company because I yes. tell you, it would not have survived in a different era. Correct. Well, and as I was like sitting there and you're introduced to the rest of the campers, And like, they're going through the whole thing of like being measured and told that like, this is your weight. This is your goal weight. I'm like, what is it doing to the actor self-esteem to be told this in a movie? Because obviously your weight is not going to change whether you're performing or you're just yourself. So did they internalize this information that was being presented to them in a script form, but in actuality... Like that's their lives. I, I don't know. I, I just had a really hard time with it and how much they might've internalized what the dialogue was within the movie. I feel like they inter- they might've internalized it, but it was almost confirmation for things that they had already experienced in their in their everyday lives. Yes. You know, and especially since the movie didn't necessarily have like a really strong, solid message throughout. Yes. You know, um, since this is a, a, a double feature, I, I think we, we're probably going to go
go a little bit faster than we normally do. So yeah. obviously we, we were on the plane. He gets to um, a place where they're getting picked up on a bus by their camp counselor, Pat, who has been, he's like a camp lifer. He's been there for 18 years. Um, he went to the camp when he was younger and that happens a lot. Like I love my camp so much that after I aged out, <laughs> I went back to be a counselor as well mm-hmm. for the summer. So we meet all these other kids, we get to their bunk. And so you see all these different other quote unquote fat kids. And they do this really funny scene where they've all brought candy and snacks and stuff Mm -hmm. from home and they start hiding it. So the version of the camp that they're going to is trying to help them lose weight. It is still a fat camp, but it's definitely it's done in a more loving, like just get out and be active type way. Yeah. And I feel like if they approached it in the sense that when these kids got there, they don't even talk about fat. They don't talk about candy, but there's just like movement and really teaching them about health and how to be just happy. Like, I think the experience of being with other kids who are like you Mm -hmm. would probably boost your self-esteem essentially than going to a regular camp where, you know, you're still feeling like an outsider. Yeah. That aspect, I I don't think is horrible, but I just think there's a better way to digest it or talk about it and to really focus it about health because the whole movie, anytime people bring up the weight situation, it's more about just looks. Yes. And not health and teaching good lifestyle skills. Yeah. Before they get into the bunk, as the bus is pulling into the camp, the kid, the tall, silent kid (laughs) is standing there and he has a giant stick he's holding and he's just slowly (laughs) shaking his head as like they drive through. But at this point, no one even knows that the camp is being bought out. So I don't know why he's like don't enter here. Yeah. That thing, that part confused me too, because this was like a brand new movie to me. So I do remember Ben Stiller's crazy ass being in Mm -hmm. it. So I figured, oh, this is going to be a switcheroonie. Once they get inside, that's when they meet crazy Ben because of the kid and him shaking his head. So yeah, that was weird. I I don't know what that, that threw me off, but they, they get there. They, the kids, they have camaraderie everyone's nice and then Mm -hmm. they go to like I guess a town hall or their intro to meet the head of the camps right yes so we get into like the the meeting the the first campers meeting and we see Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira Mm -hmm. I hope I said that right their last name are the Bushkins and they are the owners of the camp and they tell the campers that they've had to file for bankruptcy. Apparently someone who is handling their finances stole all their money. And so they had to sell the camp. But before this, they have their little chant, the hi, hi, hiya. (laughs) (laughs) And they're very excited to do it too. Yes. And so all the campers are shocked. And then they're like, here's the new owner. The Best way I can describe Ben Stiller's character, other than being like a garbage person, is chaotic energy. 
like he is just all over the place all the time like always doing different it's, exercises it's like he's, he's on Adderall but doesn't need it he's yes. on speed yes he's just he is hyped a hundred percent of the time to the max so his name is Tony Perkis and he has these shirts that say Perkis Power which shout out to my cousin Mark who really loves this movie oh sorry Mark (laughs) um and so I sent him like I took a picture of us watching the movie I'm like guess what we're watching and he sent me back a picture of him working out in his Perkis Power oh my god (laughs) I I so confused how I really am confused how many people like like love this movie I feel like it's it has to be a nostalgia thing yeah it just like you grew up with it and so you love it there were so many times in this movie I wanted to cry yeah what is up with Ben Stiller's hair uh I don't know like (laughs) so everybody like all the research all the things that I was reading everyone literally says that all Ben Stiller is doing in dodgeball is replaying this character and I 100% agree there is a lot of Tony in his character in dodgeball I've never seen Dodgeball because, again, this movie (laughs) turned me off Ben Stiller for life. Wow. So, yeah, they find out that the camp no longer is going to be the same. They meet Tony. He brings all these new counselors who look like crazy people. One of them is some German weirdo. Lars. Lars. Thank you. He pretty much has a camera guy following him around. Isn't that one of the guys from the Adam Sandler movies? Yeah. Okay. Second Tom. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he has this cameraman following him around and recording. And, you know, you could tell like his motives have nothing to do with the camp and Mm -hmm. has everything to do with the fact that he's trying to make an infomercial for the camp and his program that he's putting together to get more people to buy into it so he can make money. Super weird plan because as soon as you get a batch of people who try this program that doesn't work, you're going to be shit out of luck. So, yeah, but he was working on pre-orders. So maybe that's that was the whole scheme, get a whole bunch of people front loaded in and then go from there so the kids are like freaking out and they lose their awesome counselor pat pat has been relegated to a uh, groundskeeper at this point he's the poor pat he has Hagrid, to toilets worse. Yeah. yeah so down the line you just see the kids are being pushed to the limit he has got them i think the next scene is where he's out on the grass and they're doing like well, i don't know what that slide exercises ken had comments <laughs> he said like, number one how long did ben stiller practice that to get that good at it <laughs> and he said number two the kids were on a slope so right. so it would have been almost impossible for the kids to do it with as much efficiency as tony perkis did it yeah but yeah i don't i'm like that kind of actually looks fun no doubt I would hurt myself and be tired in two seconds, yeah. but Me low too. impact cardio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't make it fun, you know? And then no. on top of it, he puts them in these onesie things. 
I said, why are they wearing Terry cloth lederhosen? Yes. <laughs> and so pretty much going forward, you just have like a montage of him riding these kids. You know, it's raining outside. He's still having them run outside in their ponchos. He's making them do sit-ups and, and um, push-ups, but like keeps on telling them how many more. Yeah. Adding them if they even ask a question. He, um, he at one point says, I'm not crazy. I just believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there, there is the, the first day that they get up to do all of their exercises. They're playing some sort of like, oh, they think here in the like, like while getting a massage it's yeah. very ethereal music. music and so one of the kids goes oh no I'm dead I'm in heaven yeah it was Keenan Thompson who I think did that one yeah it was super weird I don't know if I if I've skipped ahead but I think that is the dance next no it's where they're doing all their measurements oh yeah well <laughs> That yeah. whole scene is just disgusting. They're weighing them, they're measuring them so that they have a starting point and, and in front of everybody. Yes. I kind of feel like, you know, my Weight Watchers days, they would privately take you somewhere. Yeah. It was just you and your person, you know? Like, they didn't broadcast your info for the right. whole world. And also, I like, I wanted to be there, not shamed and thrown in there because whatever yeah and then it's the baseball game with the camp across the street the camp mvps oh my god that was just it, it's like they did things in the movie and to these kids in the camp situation to mm-hmm. make the to embarrass them first yeah. of all everything pretty much just went around the fact that fat kids are not good at anything Mm-hmm. that's what this message the movie was tr- like saying especially in the beginning to me um because I don't think that's accurate do you know how many kids that I see on baseball teams that are a little bit more husky and they could play he- hella good so you tell me none of these kids are coordinated because right? they're a little bit overweight I mean how many dudes are there in the NFL that are they're big the, the defense and part of the reason why is because they're bigger dudes and they're able to block better. Yeah. I just, I I wasn't buying, I wasn't buying it that all these years, these kids have been kids. And before like video games really took over and the internet Mm -hmm. took over, they didn't know how to play one sport at all. Or just go outside and not get immediately winded. Yeah. I, I just, I can't. Um, there is an altercation between, um, josh's character who's sean weiss and mm-hmm. ben stiller because he sticks up to ben stiller's character um, jerry jerry the jerry does when he does come on board he does a shakedown of their cabin um and because he is a previous quote-unquote fat child he knows all the tricks okay so ben stiller's character tony tony he starts to like find all this candy and, you know, he's giving all sorts of speeches to the kids. 
And then there is a junior counselor who is there who snitches and says, well, I used to be here. And they have like this underground hiding spot. Um, And so he moves whatever and he exposes it. And then they remove. So like, it's a dry bunk. Now they have Mm -hmm. no, no contraband whatsoever. Um, And Josh kind of sticks up for the rest of the campers and, you know, pretty much calls Tony out because Tony's a punk at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even have a quip back. Um, And so they, you know, Josh really gives it to him. But the next morning when the beautiful music comes on and they think they're in heaven, Josh is no longer like his bed is completely stripped. He's gone. And now around the camp, there's all these rumors about what happened to Josh. Did Josh die? Yeah, I heard they left him at the the bus stop and his parents were so mad that they didn't even come and get him like all sorts of rumors. Yeah. So that scares the crap out of the other campers. But Jackie, that whole scene made no sense to me later when we find out that Josh comes back. Where has he been this whole time? I don't know. Right. So... Um Prior to Josh coming back, they show they're popping the blob, which is like the airbag you jump onto and like launch people into the lake. Right. They're taking away all the fun. They dismantle all the go-karts. They stab the blob. Yes. And then Jerry calls home and he's like, dad, like, this is not what you signed me up for. And his dad's like, I didn't send you to go-kart camp and was like, not sympathetic whatsoever yeah yeah he was horrible and then uh, and then he's he writes the letter to his grandma yeah and never hears back right so and then it was tony comes over the loudspeaker and says lunch is canceled due to lack of hustle so now they're withholding food from these children yeah and it, and it happens quite a bit. It's not the first time that they yeah. do that. And one of his announcements, he's, he talks about liposuction. Is it a choice or is it necessary? Yeah. So disgusting. In this scene, did you notice Jerry was wearing a fire marshal bill shirt? No. <laughs> it was hilarious. It uh-huh. was a giant picture of fire marshal bill, which I thought was so funny. And then because lunch is canceled, they show all the kids chasing cows like they're gonna <laughs> first of all, I've never seen that I've never seen a cow run that fast first and foremost <laughs> those poor cows but like what were they gonna do because he says in the voiceover that they're getting desperate but like what does that mean that you catch when you catch the the cow right like <laughs> are you gonna slaughter the cow and cook like it was super weird and so then they decide to break into Tony's like bunk area because he locks it and that's where all the mm-hmm. contraband is. Um, and so they get in and um, they figure out that he has not sent to any of their letters home. He's opened them up and I guess has read them all, but yeah. has not sent anything home. So their parents, whoever they've written to, these children are kidnapped at this point right which is super weird because when you you know that they're not the letters aren't going out but you know that they can call home because he jerry called called home. yeah so like that doesn't make any sense like right so. jerry just called the wrong person he should have called grandma 
Yeah, he should have called grandma 100%. (laughs) And they also see in the corner, there is this poster for camp. And there is, it's Jerry sitting on top of Tony's shoulders, but it's a skinny kid with Jerry's face photoshopped over it. And it was not even a good Photoshop. No, not at all. So they pretty much find out that he's been keeping the letters. I, I just feel like, I feel like out of the plot, to really like a takedown of this character when they went in there, they should have found like bigger clues. Like he had been siphoning money or something, you know, like, Oh, he's keeping our letters. Okay. Oh, he's planning to pretend that we lost weight, but we already know that he's trying to sell this scheme. So that's Mm -hmm. not a surprise. Um, Like, I feel like it could have, they could have done so many more layers to that. Yeah. Um, And then of course we have that whole scene where um, Tony's coming back and, they're all trying to run out. And I just feel like they should have gotten caught a hundred percent because they were super. Well, and then there is the unnecessary fart in the face. Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas farts. And is he just eating peanut butter from the jar? (laughs) I don't know what he was eating on the floor. Yeah. He found something and he got himself into it. Yeah. I I don't know, but they run away. Tony doesn't see them, but they also encounter one of the other bunk mates sitting they hear that someone's like you hear that <laughs> rappers and I was like oh is, is somebody rapping now are we gonna have one of those awkward she's all that moments in here but no they met food rappers and this kid was hiding a burger in the bathroom and that stall was really tall like you could if someone was sitting on the toilet, you could see their bottom half. <laughs> like, why even have a door at that point? Yeah, that was super weird. And I'm confused as to what happens after this, because how did the kid find the burger? He's paying. So the junior counselor, the blonde kid that snitched on them. Yeah, who is recognizable. I'm like, I know I've seen him and stuff. Yeah, me too. I thought maybe he had been on Wild and Crazy Kids. He had not because I looked it up. What is he on? Did you check what he's been in? Well, he was in Camp Nowhere. He was the supermarket clerk. Yes. In Camp Nowhere. Yes. Anywho, so the blonde kid, uh, there's a hollow stump. And so the kids can pay him to like sneaking contraband and he puts it in the stump so that's why he got rid of all the contraband so he was just an entrepreneur and not a snitch okay I'm not mad at it (laughs) (laughs) so they find out and so they they have a they're ready to have a hot boy summer because they're getting food on the regular hot meals hot meal summer burgers (laughs) <laughs> I have a question though. How much money do parents send with their kids to camp? Like, is know. there a lot of stuff to buy at camp? I don't know. I mean, I've never been to sleepaway camp, but from my sleepaway camp knowledge of other movies, I, I think of it like prison where they get <laughs> a, like a, a little bit of money and then they got to ba- balance their budget out. <laughs> but you know, if they were anything like me, they had birthday money, Christmas money saved on top of maybe what their parents were sending. So, I mean, cause you really shouldn't need any money at camp, 
because everything should be paid for, but right. you never know. Um, Cause a lot of the times too, even as like sleepaway camp, you would take trips or excursions to okay. do other things. So I can imagine maybe that's where you need the money. And if you were having a hot pog game and you were betting on it, like <laughs> you need that moolah. <laughs> you need money in your commissary. <laughs> yes, that's the word. So they're having a hot meal summer. Now they go to a co-ed dance with the girl camp. So the explanation is that Tony feels like he can shame and embarrass the kids into losing weight, which I feel like if he was going to do something like that, he should have like had an introduction of the girls from Mm -hmm. the other camp and then had them work towards a goal. But why like, just have the girls show up how is that (laughs) well and the girls really other than I didn't feel like the girls were off put by the kids weight it was more just like that awkward preteen boys and girls don't know how to talk to each other right like it would have been different if it was maybe a mixed where they had the MVP kids come and then all the girls went towards those kids yeah but all it taught them was that oh I mean one of the kids actually got to make out with the girls yeah Ken's like why is that kid kissing (laughs) like I don't I don't know yeah and so it's like very typical middle school dance where girls are on one side boys are on the other music is playing so he's gonna go in and show him how it's done and so he goes in and he does some sort of dance I don't know what that dance was and he said it's called boogie fever is it I I well uh, he look he went out there and did his craziest dance because mm -hmm. he figured if the kids saw him just having a good time that they would engage and, yes. and during all the situation, Pat is having like some side romance. Flirting with the flirting nurse. With the nurse who shows interest with Pat is too insecure to really like talk to her and, and he's having issues. But he does too get on the dance floor and starts dancing mm-hmm. with the nurse. And then it does work. All the girls come over, start commingling with the boys and um, they have a good time. They don't even finish the damn song. And nope. mind you, Paul Fegg's character had danced through it like almost halfway at that point. And they still didn't finish it before Tony's like, okay, bye. Lock it up. Yeah, it was like, as soon as they started having fun, Tony was like, it's over. Abort. Clean the Abort snacks. this plan. Yeah. I was like, what? What? Why? Yeah. And I, I, I was like, why cancel the dance? They're exercising. They're dancing. They're moving. Nothing in this movie (laughs) makes any fudging sense. So then we see Pat and Julie, the nurse, and Jerry. They come across the go-karts and Jerry's really upset because that's all he wanted to do. He was really excited about driving the go-karts. And so Pat very sweetly like pushes Jerry around in the go-kart. So you see that they're bonding together. And I think Pat sees a lot of himself in, in Jerry. Yeah. And then the next scene is when Josh comes back and that scene was unsettling. 
Okay, so yeah, so he comes back and we still don't know what the fuck happened to him. No, he walks in, his eyes are like rolling in the yeah. back of his head. He's mumbling, all the kids are freaked out. And then he was like, nah, I'm just, I'm literally just joshing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, it's fine. And we hear nothing else about what, how he was punished for talking back to Tony. Right. Like, we don't know where he went. We don't know why all of his materials are gone. Like all of his, the stuff on his bed. It's just super weird. It makes me think like, did he quit the movie? And they were like, if you don't finish this movie, you ain't in Mighty Ducks two or three. I don't know which one came first, but like, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. And then shortly after this, oh, we see Josh shaving for no reason. Well, it comes up later. It it comes up later, but it's just so unnecessary. Like, you didn't need that whole scene to explain what happens later. You don't need it. It He could have just been good at it and nobody could have questioned it. Like, it was it's unnecessary. Like, 90% of this movie. Oh, he says something about he went to the sizzler yeah he does say that he so does he go home and then come back oh i think that's what it was they sent him home but his parents didn't want him home and so they sent him back something like that but he went to the sizzler while he was home could you imagine just for a second you go to a fat camp which is already hard enough and then when you get there there's a psychopath you get kicked out for speaking up you tell your parent, you get a chance to go home and tell your parents what's going on at this camp. And their response is to send you back to an abusive yeah. camp. We, we paid for an entire summer and I think they had threatened to sue Tony. So they sent him back. Oh boy. Yeah. So There's lots of layers to this. There is lots of, lots of layers that will need therapy later on. Yeah. I need therapy just talking about it. Well, so they do, it's time for their weigh-in and Tony realizes that all of them have, that haven't changed or they've gained weight and he starts to lose it and pretty much says that he's going to take them out on a 20 mile hike, right? Child abuse, anybody. And the other thing that really pisses me off about this movie, just for like, if you throw logic out of the, uh, out, you have to throw logic out of the window, but like these camp counselors are adults, like yes. not 16 year olds, full ass grown ass adults. And they have not stepped up to call any social services. They talk about a lawyer. They talk about, I think they do talk about social services, but they need more evidence. But like, I, it's just lackluster to me. Yeah. And they don't try to stand up to him either. Like y'all are aiding and abetting child abuse. Yeah. Cause when they take this guy down, they're going to take you too. Mm -hmm. Because y'all knew about it. You're grownups and you didn't say anything. See something, say something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So he takes him on this crazy ass hike and just like, he just loses it. He jumps on a tree branch that looks like it couldn't even hold a chipmunk nonetheless his crazy ass yep. and he's doing like flips on it and the kids have enough they have a fuck enough they're, they're done and which i have a question mm-hmm. when when did they dig that hole 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I envision that on the trail, some of them pretend to go even slower than they normally would, and they just they're just digging. I don't know. Like, did they sneak out in the middle of the night digging it? I, I, I don't know. know. Super weird. They capture his bitch ass, and then and then they put him in this like shed area. And then they go and tell the other counselors we did a thing. And the, why? Yeah. The other counselors are like, what? And I love how they're standing guard with like that large ass stick. And yes. they're like, what's the password? It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And they got him like wrapped. They got him all tied up. And then um, Pat is like, oh, we can't do this. And he pulls um, Tony's like, tie on his mouth that's keeping him quiet and tony starts of course spouting all sorts of crazy shit to pat and so pat's like oh word puts it back on he's like okay we could keep him here so i literally wrote tony is an asshole yeah he he's just the worst but pat now is really trying to go to jail because you're kidnapping this man and then they put like i don't who who was the engineer behind the electrocution cage like really it, it, it they used a gate which looks like the like springs of a mattress and somehow rig it up so that it's electrified yeah and then and then and- they take the other counselors and tie them to trees and okay Lars starts screaming like bloody murder and they turn around and look and it's literally like a deer sniffing around him this is a children's movie and the they had this kid rip open Lars's shirt and I feel like in a second he was gonna do like a boob bounce like Terry Crews <laughs> and he takes honey and paints and, it on him but the <laughs> The we, the whole this whole part disturbed me to my core. The way he squeezes it on, and try uses the paintbrush. He's not even painting it. It just looks like he was glistening his his pectoral muscle. Like it made was you, weird. And you crazy. made you feel weird inside. Yes, I was like, <laughs> this is not normal. This is this is disgusting. So yeah. And then they don't, you know, they don't keep them tied up forever. Like what's, what is really happening here? Like Danielle, I felt at points like this was <laughs> Lord, Lord of, the of the Flies light. <laughs> I would have preferred if people started killing each other because <laughs> it, it would have been more entertaining to say the least. And this is where I think maybe the movie would have taken a turn. Like, oh, maybe this is where it'll get better because they start teaching the kids how to cook and the kids are having fun and they're learning about really, well, they have, first of all, they have a huge epic party first. With fireworks. With fireworks. So another mirror to Camp Nori. Yeah. But they have- And and they're like literally guzzling just straight like chocolate syrup and stuff. It's so- gross i wrote i don't like all the food pouring on their faces i it was very unsettling to me i didn't care for it it was super creepy and then while they're doing that 
camp MVP was somehow offended by all this. I'm like, wouldn't they want them to like not be working out and just stuffing their faces if they're going to have a competition later in the summer? Cult MVP, I really don't know what they're... Did you call them cult MVP? <laughs> I wish I I should have. I said club, but yeah, they should okay. be cult. Um, there's too many villains in this movie, right? Yeah, there's the dad, there's Tony Perkis, there's camp MVP they're competing with. They got a lot stacked against them. Yeah, so I just feel like any movie you just have, you know, if you really want it to work, you have a really good antagonist and that's it. You only need Mm -hmm. one. You don't need everybody. And this just, again, goes to the the fat shame, the fat culture that is so wrong. And I think now we're only kind of scratching the surface of, of how wrong, like if you look at some of these things from the movies, of mm-hmm. women shaming or fad shaming and all of it, it's still bad. <laughs> it's still bad. It's, I think they've just gotten better at not literally saying it out loud. And that's what yeah. this movie does. It says it out loud that yeah. these kids are not shit because they're overweight. It, and I can't imagine what it told these younger kids. I think for younger kids, when they were watching this movie, maybe they saw, they actually got to see themselves and they mm-hmm. that's why they enjoyed it, but not truly understanding yeah the breadth of like what the movie was conveying and they and I feel like the writers were confused themselves like they were really trying to get somewhere but they just took all the wrong routes to Mm -hmm. do it you know it's just so bad there was no point in the movie where there was like a hard stop you don't tell kids this you show them how to be healthy you do not shame them into doing anything yeah because they they tried to do that when they turn things around mm-hmm. and they're there. He talks about accountability, mm-hmm. you know, but it's still and, in the, in the framework that we need to lose weight, right? That we're fat and that makes it bad. Yeah. That this, this is the behavior that we need to subscribe to, to fit in. So there's never like, you are perfectly okay for the way that you are. Um, And if you choose to want to live a healthier lifestyle, let me show you what that looks like and let the kids make the decision. It still wasn't that. It still wasn't that. And so they do that. And for a second, you think that it's going in the right direction. And then, you know, Pat starts to get some cojones and start believing in himself and starting to put that on the kids as well. And he's like, we are going to go after this competition this relay race that we have against camp mvp every year and so they're preparing for that um and he rebuilds one of the go-karts for jerry so that he can compete in the race and it's all like super rigged out like fast and the furious camp style yes we cut back to tony still in his cage and at this point i wrote nicholas sucks at everything because he's supposed (laughs) to be standing guard And instead he falls asleep. So Tony is able to take a fork and short out the electric fence. So you put metal onto the electric fence and the only thing protecting you from the heat from, uh, or the electricity traveling through the fork is what looks like a paper towel. Yeah. I'm no scientist, but what the fuck? That don't make no sense. I don't know. So now Tony is loose and Tony is like a rabid animal at this point. Tony's not loose 
Oh, well, we missed a part. So that's happening in the background, but the it's parents day. Yes. So parents are coming in um, and they're meeting their kids. And of course, Jerry's dad comes and his mom comes and his dad, the first thing he says is like, you haven't changed. You're still the same weight, like mm-hmm. asshole behavior. Um, and so they all go into the mess hall or auditorium and they show a video. So they've paid the, the videographer guy that was who yes. actually just stayed around after Tony got locked up. Yeah. Um, and they made like their own edited version of just all the torture that Tony has done to these mm-hmm. kids over the summer. And Pat shows it to the parents. They do add a few things, which one scene is just gross where they find a dead rat or fake dead rat and they pretend to eat it. Super weird. Yeah. Um, and so now the parents are, are so mad. And that's when Tony, after he escapes, comes in through the window and he proceeds to drop glass on the floor and starts to walk over it to show how hardcore he is. Hardcore parkour. Right. Then, um, Jerry's dad finally sticks up for him and knocks, you know, Tony down. Mm -hmm. He, he hits him, but Tony's fucking psycho and jumps back up and hits the dad and then proceeds to do backflips and slides into a wall and knocks himself out and knocks himself out. I don't know. And then he was, he was his own worst enemy in the end. But the thing is, the person they call to come get him is not Popo. It's his daddy. Like that man should have been arrested by Ben Stiller. By Ben Stiller. And um, Ben Stiller's dad, who owns like this plumbing conglomerate. It was something. He he had a lot of money somehow. And he's like, in passing says, parents have agreed to not sue if we refund all the money. Their children were emotionally and physically abused for for a good period of time. Yeah. And there isn't a single person that's going to sue this dude. And we're keeping quiet. And yeah, yeah. first of all, Tony shouldn't have just the chance to walk on glass on site. On site. I would have knocked his ass out. He wouldn't even yeah. have been able to get a word out. I w- all the hair on that little half bald head would have been out. Like, there's no way. No. These are the worst parents of all time. Of all time. And so he gets carted away in a limo, not the back of 5-0. Yeah. But the, the kids-, kids are allowed to stay for the rest of the summer, it seems, because yeah. they have to compete against Camp MVP in their what was it called the apache relay again it's just so confused why uh, cultural appropriation we shouldn't Thank be you. calling things apache just because it's camp and it's primitive for, no okay for yet yeah, forget even just calling it why are they all in native american garb yes the mvps are dressed at, in togas and camp hope is dressed literally in caricature versions of what they think native americans wore um there's so many layers to just that but i'm gonna leave it alone and we just know that we 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 hopefully are doing better now this is just disgusting 
So yeah, the kids are now ready to compete. They do horrible in the physical part. MVP pulls ahead. So the, the relay is set up where like, there's a couple of physical things that uh, the kids have to do and it's a relay. So each kid is responsible for a different section of the, the competition. So obviously camp MVP blows through all of the physical stuff, but then of course you can't be physically capable and then also intelligent. Right. You, you can't be both. There's no can't way. be both. And so MVP struggling with like there, there's like five different type of history questions or like there's one about art. There's one about U.S. history. It's literally like trivial pursuit categories. Correct. Yeah. And we, one part where they also get tripped up before even they get to the like brain bowl section is there's, there's a shaving, a balloon section. And that's where this random callback yeah. Yeah, <laughs> to Josh knowing how to shave comes into handy apparently which I think is weird that they've given children razors, but okay. <laughs> um, and so now, now Jackie stands corrected. Here is um, Nicholas's time to shine. He's not horrible to everything. He actually is edumacated. And Nicholas is British. And the question is, <laughs> name five U.S. vice presidents. Camp MVP on the struggle bus. Nicholas comes by and is like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You Americans are so uneducated. And then no, like, he said, you Americans don't know your history or something or horrible yeah. history. And he's right. That, that statement ages all Perfectly. too well. Yes. And then we get to the go-kart. Danielle? Before you go to the go-kart, okay. the one part I get confused about is Essentially, if that other kid could not pull those five VP names out of his ass, really, there shouldn't have been a go-kart race. Correct. Sorry. Now go ahead. Okay. So (laughs) the go-kart, Jerry starts driving and I'm like, why does his go-kart have a propeller? And Ken goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And like the, the way the editing is, you only see very clipped quick glimpses of like the back of the go-karts as they're racing mm-hmm. and so I was literally like right there right there right there and he's like I don't know what you're talking about like there is a propeller on the back of the go-kart like a boat propeller I don't understand he's like oh. I don't see it and then he kicks it into high gear and the propeller starts spinning I'm like there's the fucking because <laughs> like Oh, that's not going to do anything for him. Like, you've been asking what propeller the whole time. It was, it was very heated in my house for a few minutes while we argued about the propeller on the back of the go. I didn't notice the propeller. Not surprised about that, but that does make another scene make sense now. Where you know, Camp MVP would take a boat on their own, these kids, and they would come trash Camp Hope's camp. And this last time where they're now all like self-care, we're doing better. They take the propeller from their boat away. So the kids are stuck. And so I thought they were just clowning them, but now I'm putting two two together. They needed the propeller to win the game. Okay. Smarter, not harder. Know your (laughs) enemy. So Jerry kicks it in the high gear, throws that propeller on to (laughs) 
propel him over camp MVP's go-kart. Ken goes, he teabagged him. <laughs> oh, he did dip him a little bit. He did at the end. Yeah. Needless to say, end of the day, they all rally together. Camp Hope wins. They're given the, the trophy. Camp MVP's counselor is real mad about that. And so what does Pat do? He says, airmail this trophy and has the silent kid shot put the trophy out into the middle of the lake. I don't know why. I don't know what point this was supposed to try and prove. I don't know. <laughs> Pat at the end is like, something, something. I'm crazy about my gal and like pulls nurse Julian for a kiss. At this point, I loaded, I loaded my imaginary gun and put it to my head <laughs> and so the movie ends and my final thought that I wrote down was <laughs> well that was not great <laughs> we do have to tell the audience what happened last night though. yes Danielle why did I receive a phone call last night well <laughs> bestie um <laughs> I turned on the movie and began to watch. I don't think I made it past Nichols even getting the fat camp before I said, I can't, I can't do this, Jackie. <laughs> I called you to say, maybe we should just do Camp Nowhere. What'd you say? That's good. But you had already watched the movie and you said, no, we've got to see it through. What I said was, I think it's important to talk about this movie because it's so problematic oh and very defeatedly okay <laughs> i have never wanted to call in sick to work more than today <laughs> but we did it here we are <sighs> yeah we made it through heavyweights i'm sorry if you really love this movie uh it's just very, very problematic. Yeah, I think, Jackie, our ratings are both going to be the same because I am giving it a same-day rental, straight-up trash, bonfire. If there was yes. anything lower, I would give it to this movie. Agreed. So now with that out of the way, can we do the palate cleanser that is Camp Nowhere? <laughs> hold, hold, please. I have to change oh, my gosh. name tag. <laughs> While you do that, I'll give a synopsis of Camp Nowhere. Camp Nowhere came out in 1994, so we're going just a tiny bit ahead of um, our date ranges that we like to stay in. However, I mean, Andrew Keegan, Joshua Jackson, oh, Kate Joshua. Mulgrew is in it, Christopher Josh Lloyd. Joshua Jackson, if you're out there, if you can hear me. Please know we love you in love. this movie. Lo not just movie, this movie. For me, I'm a lucky Spencer Stan for life. <laughs> Danielle does love her program. Anywho, so Camp Nowhere is about this group of four friends. Their parents send them each to a different type of summer camp, and they decide we don't want to go. Our parents always sign us up for these things that they think we really enjoy. We don't enjoy them. <laughs> and so they stumble across this theater teacher who is no longer teaching. And he just 
it seems like he just runs schemes a lot of the time. He, well, I don't know if he's running a bunch of schemes, but he's working at the mall in the food court selling cheese, shade cheese. Um, I think the only scam he's doing right now is the fact that he hasn't paid from a, for a car from like the fucking seventies yeah. and he's trying to outrun the, the repo man. Yes. So, um, Christopher Lloyd plays the, um, the ex theater, um, teacher. And so essentially the movie is about how they create this fake camp. They have him pose as I guess the representative for each camp to come and sell it to them in their house just like heavyweights yeah um and then because they find out like their parents pay a shit ton of money for camp and they're like let's just go find a place hide out all summer and then we can just keep the money yeah so Jackie what does Y2K Jackie think of what's the rating for this movie I would buy it, would buy it again. I watched. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All Danielle. the way. All the way. <laughs> Did buy it. Did buy it. Would buy it again. Yes. It opens up with um, Morris, who his friends call him Mud. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how they get Mud from Morris, but whatever. Mud played by Joshua Jackson. He's just kind of like this little, I wouldn't even call him a dork or a dweeb or a geek or anything. He proclaims that he is a geek. He's just a kid. There's a lot of stereotypes that these characters are, that they're trying to be put into. And from a casting standpoint, they don't, they don't go well because we all, who you try to fool with that baby, that baby smooth skin and beautiful eyes and wonderful flowing hair is supposed to be a nerd. That's Jonathan Jackson, baby. Y'all are mm-hmm. lying to me. I don't so- believe it. <laughs> and then the friend supposedly being fat. We'll talk about that later. But. Oh, yeah. So uh, we are introduced to Mud and then there's the bad kid, Zach, um, is like Mud in the bathroom now. And so they go in and right away, they're like friendly. They're totally friends. Yeah. Zach just has to keep up appearances. And so, and and I mean, Mud does write a paper for him, but then it's like, okay, we we have to do the thing. And so Mud has to pretend that Zach is giving him a swirly in the toilet. Yeah. I like to think that their friendship is literally like, Sean and Corey from Boy Meets World, yes. but as if Sean was embarrassed of of um Corey, which Corey. Yeah. which you know that means that they're way under on the bestie category mm-hmm. because Sean would never, right. would never. But if that's the kind of vibe is going on here. I just also think it's weird. Like, who do they think they're fooling? Because literally later, the two of them are walking home together. So like, what yeah. image are you upholding here? Yeah. Like almost the the scene after that scene. They're all <laughs> yes. just chilling together. So it's, it's the two of them. So it's Mud and Zach. And then Trish, who's supposed to be the theater girl, the pretty popular one. Right. And Gabby, who is supposed to be the, the fat one. The fat homely one. And I was like, again, casting director, 
you ain't fooling nobody that girl looks straight up adorable and skinny yeah so mud gets home his parents have the spokesperson for the camp camp chippewa can we talk about the sweater that the dad is his sweaters they're they look like kuji sweaters i don't know if they are but they're an atrocity to the eye just yes. want to throw that out there yeah and at some point someone says something about the shack okay i got i knew you were getting there <laughs> let me you you get you threw me the ball i'm gonna do this layup real quick um he says and at camp micro chippewa we don't just do we also play sports and stuff like basketball and where you can learn to play like hakeem and the shack but the way he said hakeem was super weird it was like hey keem it was like yes just like what is this and again i wrote in my notes both movies had people coming to sell camp question mark again listeners if y'all went to sleepaway camp please tell us this recruiting situation what is this both movies had it yes and they were a year apart so i don't even know if camp nowhere came out by the time they had probably already finished like writing most likely heavyweights yeah Yeah, i don't so there there has to be something here it's super weird anyway so um his parents are obviously feeling out different camps for him to go to and mud's like i don't want to do that i don't want to his dad has him on the nerd track and he's not about that life yeah and his dad goes what the dos tutorial isn't fun (laughs) i didn't know what that was as a kid i was like i don't know what's happening (laughs) and then we cut to the mall where mud's hanging out with his dad at the mall and he has these really weird moments non-verbal eye gaze <laughs> across the food court moments with Dennis Van Welker who is played by Christopher Lloyd as he has to sell easy cheese it's so weird that whole scene but I will say this what Christopher Lloyd does with his various characters in this movie and being that he his level of comedic excellence is uh, above and beyond what Ben Stiller- He's brilliant in this role. What, in comparison to what Ben Stiller is trying to do. It's like, and it's it's just effortless with Christopher Lloyd. And it's believable, even though this movie is, is, it's crazy, it's ridiculous. I I have questions as an adult now, but (laughs) still- way far and above than what Ben Stiller was pulling in that last movie. Like, And I feel like this movie was just like, they knew it was ridiculous, but it was way more flushed out where like some of the scenes where it could have easily been questioned, like kids renting out a camp for eight weeks. Right. It was because the man was so old like you could kind of believe okay he just he probably isn't all there and he's just looking to run out his game probably a lot (laughs) um anyway so um that's when the friends are in this scene hold on i'll move 
for the visual viewers this scene all laying around head to head and was this a thing in the 90s we did because this was the same thing that happened in babysitters club yeah i don't know what this aerial view while everyone lays head to head and talks i want to now do a tiktok to see if there are multiple 90s movies that does that kind (laughs) so they're all talking about how they don't want to go to camp Zach's dad is sending him to like boot camp, it seems. Gabby's mom is sending her to fat camp. Trish's mom is sending her to theater camp. And Mud's parents are sending him to computer camp. And they're like, we don't want to go. We we should just make our own camp. And they're like, that's a brilliant idea. And so then the wheels start turning as to like, who can we get? What adult can we get to go along with this? Yeah. And apparently mud mud was like well i got a guy (laughs) the easy cheese man seems unsavory let's go we had lingering looks at the mall the other day i just feel like that's my man so they show up at dennis van welker's trailer yeah they show up at his trailer and mud they all go to try to talk to him He's like, this is crazy. I think it's just Mud who actually goes up to talk to him because <laughs> the other kids stay behind hiding. And then as this is happening, so I think Mud is about to leave and then the uh, repo man rolls up. T.R. Polk. Yeah, he pulls up and he says, pretty much is trying to find this gremlin car that wasn't, the car payments weren't, you know, they weren't finished paying mm-hmm. off. Um, so of course he, this is where we see Christopher Lloyd probably play his first character. Um, he's put, he has apparently false teeth just waiting in the Roland J Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I've seen this movie a few times. <laughs> yes. Um, and so he's, so mud kind of reads the room and realizes what's happening. So he pretends to be the, his son which kind of throws off the scent. And then somehow the kids know to try to to take the gremlin out without making noise of it starting. Yeah, I would imagine that car probably makes was a not, noise. Yeah, was yeah. not quiet when you, and, and Zach, because he's such a delinquent, knows how to hotwire a car at the age of 13. He's going to be a mechanic. He loves cars though. Yes. We do learn that. He does, yes. That's, so it's like a skill. So maybe he figured out how to put it in neutral and then they just kind of moved it back. Yeah, so T.R. Polk, like, first of all, sir, you don't have the right to be in my property. He Mm-mm. knocks in the shed to see and then doesn't see the car. So he goes, sorry about the door. Right? Yeah, like, get the hell out of here. Anyway, uh, so they are on the lookout for a Caribbean yellow gremlin, which that's a pretty easy car to spot. Yeah, 100%. So fast forward, the kids convince um, Christopher Lloyd to be their front man, their, uh, their Patsy, they're going to pay him. Because they're only paying him $1,000. How dire. And I, well, I guess he owes, I think they said that he owes like 2,400 on, on the car. They offer to pay him a thousand for the summer just to be the front man. And he goes a thousand bucks, you say, and then breaks the fourth wall. And so then that's like the turning point of like the plan is in motion now. The work he does in, the, in for these kids is way above a thousand dollars. Agreed. And so then we see him 
as the theater camp director and selling it to Trisha's parents, played by Kate Mulgrew, Captain Janeway, Red from Orange is the New Black. I love her so much. And then we see him selling it to Zach's dad and Zach's like, no, or Zach's dad is like, no, he's going to the same one. He already always went to, and then he goes, well, if you like Weepy's results and he's like, oh, was that his nickname? And so then uh, that convinces Zach's, Zach's dad to let him go to. Yeah. And Zach the helps camp. the performance as yes. well because he like gets in line real quick and all sorts of stuff. And he, so he proceeds to go to pretty much all the kids' houses and, and pull these routines. He pretends to be the theater um, and guy. And mm-hmm. Trish's parents are like, take her, take her for 80 days. We, we don't care. And Trish's dad is so not in for any of it that he's just like, oh, horse camp, Caitlin. And they're like, that's the other fucking daughter. Yeah. We're talking about Trish and theater camp. He's like, just whatever. We're going to Europe. As long as the kids are gone, I don't care. Yeah. And he's like, oh, there's no parents day. Even better. Yeah. How do you not have like that would be suspicious. Every camp has a parents day or parents weekend. And then they go to Gabby's house for um, fat camp and he tricks the mom. He gives her what does he put in it? It's not raw liver paste. Yeah. He he makes a cake for them. Um, One is like um. Betty Crocker and the other mm-hmm. ones just crap. And so of course the mom believes it because it's tastes like shit. I, yeah. I mean, I just want to talk about how disgusting this is that I'm not even going to speak from the, the standpoint of a parent because it's really the movie and the casting directors, you know, um, when I watch stuff on TikTok, they really talk, a lot of people talk about how we were made to believe that these very small not overweight children or actors and actresses were really big yep for no freaking reason which of course we internalize seeing that projected that oh if that's fat then okay then I must be obese kind of situation you know and it's just disgusting then we cut to them finding a camp that they can rent out for the summer. So they find this ex hippie commune in upstate that, New York, or they must Pennsylvania. Be in New York. Oh, okay. But but the thing is, they live in Ohio, and they go to Pennsylvania for camp. That's far. Yeah. What the hell? And you know how? Do you know how much jail time you get for taking a minor over state lines? Yeah. Whew. And he had how many minors? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So then they rent out the hippie commune. It's kind of rundown and stuff, but they're like, whatever. We're just, it's on a lake. These kids don't care. They don't yeah. know the things to, to look for or ask for. And then Mun makes the mistake of telling his friend Walter, who then tells Betty. Because no, Betty- he doesn't tell Walter. Walter finds oh. out about this camp that so they were both supposed to go to camp chippewa or camp whatever and when he finds out that mud's not going there walter starts doing some digging he's a nosy bitch and he goes over to mud's house and he's like i know you're not going to this camp it's not real it's made up and let me just say walter does drive me crazy throughout the movie but i do have to give him props for the fact that in the age of not having internet 
the amount of detective work he had to do to find out that that camp wasn't real and yeah. mud fell apart in it you know yeah he, he didn't be like oh it's a really prestigious like not right. much is known about no yeah. he's just like how'd you know oh, oh, no. anyway so then walter tells betty because her old camp they used to go skinny dipping and walter's all about that he's trying to get with betty like yeah, yeah. And then Betty proceeds to tell a whole fucking bunch of kids. Yeah, she, yeah, they, they, and they all show up at the house. So now, now they have to like keep up the lie even more and they yep. get more money. So I guess um, they, they convince Dennis to go along with it because even more money. And there's just so many parts where Dennis could have said, as an adult, this is not a good look for me. This is, you know, this is not good. I should not do this. He doesn't. And he has, and for someone who's a teacher, Mm -hmm. any person that I know that's a teacher has, well, usually you hope they have some inclination of wanting to make sure that children are safe, protected. And he, he does not have that instinctively because he's just like I don't think he was a very good teacher which is probably why he's not teaching anymore um he's working at the shade cheese yeah that's true so they rent a bus and they head up to their camp and um they immediately start jumping off the roof onto dirty (laughs) ass mattresses no thank you yeah I'm good yeah it's pretty it's pretty epically ridiculous like I I remember my face when I was watching that part over it because you know I've seen it a million times too and I love this movie but like wait a minute that's the first thing we're doing we're taking the mattresses and putting them outside and jumping off the roof like and then they gather around and of course um mud has to tell everybody like the rules what was the rule the rules are letters home once a week if anyone in town asks you don't speak English <laughs> and if anyone finds a Taco Bell, let them know. Those are the three. <laughs> I just think it's crazy that like they even allow, I feel like they should have said, okay, only a few people could go into town at once mm-hmm. or, or mix it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they they have a debauchery crazy night similar to heavyweights where they're just well they're running around in the dark it seems they're playing flashlight tag yeah and then they all gang up on mud because yeah they money mud yeah (laughs) money mud yeah that (laughs) scene was super scary for me i was just like first of all the four of them should have had better planning skills when it came to the money and how yes you know it's almost it is very lord of the flies or a girl who owned the city thought process of like how do you create a civilization and create rules and where there's not supposed to be rules but you kind of need them yeah it doesn't work out well so they all take their own money and then he says don't buy anything crazy next scene trucks there is a snap-on truck snap-on is stupid expensive tools that professional mechanics use there is a snap-on truck how much did zach spend on 
specialty tools to fix up this beater he found in the middle of the the woods and then it's like big screen tvs nerf guns computers guitars and amps and all of this shit there's no way that that's how much money they have for camp i I just think it's kind of ridiculous Uh, from my very conservative estimation there were probably about at least 20 kids at that camp Mm-hmm. If each of their parents paid three grand, that's sixty thousand dollars that they had. Okay. So that's... I'm sure they could have bought a lot of shit, and they did. And they they did. did, and I bet you they didn't order any real food. No. It wasn't until much later that, and when Gabby started to hook Make... food, yeah, they were eating pop tarts all day, kid. Yeah, pop tarts. They had Cereal. s'mores in the or marshmallows in the first scene that they were roasting. Yeah, it was probably. Yeah. Oh, that's where I got Pennsylvania from. The what's his name? The the troopers. Yeah, the trooper you, you was mean, driving a Pennsylvania State Police car. So at some point we Hendrix. Hendrix, we see him when the trucks are going in. We see Hendrix kind of sitting at a picnic table eating, and he's like alerted why are these trucks going to this Mm -hmm. abandoned area that never has any action going on and then he starts getting complaints from all over of these rowdy kids Mm -hmm. now this is a reunion in this movie between biff (laughs) thomas f wilson who i met at a holiday inn holla super nice guy um and christopher lloyd so there was a back to the future reunion so another similarity to the last movie where we had a mighty ducks reunion so yes and so then we see tiny baby jessica alba in the next montage scene her Her first first movie her first movie she was supposed to be just an extra and then she somehow got her first billable role and so then we see it's now the 4th of July yeah. and they have a shit ton of fireworks and everyone's just being stupid with fireworks. Hmm. Even mud, like, come yeah. on. Mud. Come so on. all of these kids are doing like flippies off the dock with their fireworks and stuff. Um, which and they also do in heavyweights. Yes. Mud is attempting to, to perform a trick, be cool and he falls and he burns himself. And so he has to go to Dennis, who then has to find him a doctor. So he finds Mud, a doctor, Dr. Celeste. And she is beautiful. Even re-watching it, I'm like, she, that too, actress is just so pretty. Too good for Christopher Lloyd's broke ass. Oh, gosh. And Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, I love. He's an amazing actor. Not a looker. Not, not a looker. No. Anywho, so she's kind of like, okay, looking at it, Mud says he burned himself on the stove. She's like, you know, I'm supposed to report all firework incidents. She's not buying the bullshit. And Dennis turns on the charm and is like, yeah, the stove is ancient, blah, blah, blah. And then proceeds to ask her, like, there is obviously chemistry. In his mind. She says, I need to see him back in like a week. That relationship is blossoming. And then the next scene is Sergeant Hendricks, Biff, shows up. And so everyone has to hide real fast. Somehow they get up into the the rafters 
And so they're all, all the kids are hiding up there as Biff is interrogating Dennis and Mud, and they maintain that father son just renting out this right uh, camp for the summer. It's just the two of them, blah, blah, blah. Nothing to see here, officer, pretty much. Um, he- the donut, someone drops a donut and Mud catches it. Yeah. And then starts eating it. So there's some comedic elements of that scene. Then we cut to Dennis has his own cabin, which is full of all of this really eclectic old furniture and records and stuff like that. So he's listening to old Winston Churchill records. Well, that happens because it rains. So like they have yes. all the debauchery and fun and all that stuff, but then they ha- you should you see that it's a rainy day. Of course, all those kids in one place don't know what to do without being able to be outside or their devices or whatever. And so they go and um, Mud talks to Dennis and said, look, we need your help. We're they want to go home because they're yeah. bored. Yeah. But throws money at Dennis and is like, I'll pay you more money. Just come help me out. And so Dennis goes and puts on this very elaborate puppet show because he's a, he's a theater teacher. He knows what he's doing (laughs) and all the kids are really intrigued and they're entertained. And so then they don't want to go home anymore. Essentially. This is when we see, we've seen her in a couple of previous scenes, but Allison Mack is in this movie. It is a travesty well we have not one but two cult leaders in this movie yes because of andrew keegan as well but i don't know if he's disbanded i think legally they had to stop like they still do stuff as a group it's more of a like a spiritual retreat and not an actual religion yeah for Andrew Keegan for Andrew Keegan but Allison Mack is getting real time I think I just saw that they may give her a lesser sentence because she's snitching on the main Mm -hmm. guys but yeah that whole if you're really intrigued look up Allison Mack and look up her there's multiple documentaries about the cult and situation that she was in Apparently she was lured into it by Kristen Crook, her Smallville co-star who said she wasn't in it for too long, but anywho, yeah, you see a young, innocent Allison Mack and it's sad. She's like the sidekick. Yes. She, she's kind of like, I'm assuming if, if Trish and Zach were eighth graders, then she might Heather be... Allison Mack's character was a sixth grader. Yeah. So they were friends, but there was also a sisterly kind of relationship with them. Yes. So yeah, we, we were introduced to them because Trish and Heather are going to the mall with a few other kids and they come to ask Zach if he wants to go he, to the mall. He needs anything. Yeah. So the, between Trish and Zach, there's this will they, won't they kind of relationship brewing between the two. So yeah, he says no, but it, the way that it plays out is he's kind of mad because <laughs> she's like not really acknowledging that she likes him. And mm-hmm. We cut to the scene in the grocery store where Zach's like, I'm going to buy beer. Yeah. And this is a fresh faced Andrew Keegan. There is no way on God's green earth someone is going to sell him beer. And he he commits 
and he goes in and he tries to buy it and then van welker gets involved again and he's like oh i'm just trying to buy it for my dad and so van welker plays along i love trish's math in this scene because (laughs) so it it was essentially like this license says that you're born in 1964 that makes you how old and zach says 21 (laughs) and and the kid junior counselor from heavyweights goes no this is 1994 if you were born in 1964, that would make you 31. And Trish comes up <laughs> and goes, no, if it says he was born in 1964 and he's 21, then it's 1984 or something like that. Like, it's just the way she commits to that. No, you're fucking wrong. It's a hot mess. It, yeah. Express. I, I, I really love her math though. Like I said, Van Walker comes up, saves the day again, kind of just alley-oops the guy and makes him feel really uncomfortable. He's like, oh, I'm a war vet. Look at this leg. It's really lifelike, right? Uh-huh. The manager of the grocery store is just like, whatever, sir, have just a nice Just get day. out of here. Yeah. Which it like, it messes things up because it, it's going to probably bother him. And he keeps seeing these kids, you know, they're not smart yeah. in any way. After the grocery store scene, they find out that the police officer is following them and they have to go into the car wash situation. Yes. So the police officer is following them. So they go into the car wash. Dennis pretends he's working for the car wash. It's and a then super his weird scene. Yeah. His pant leg gets caught because the officer tries to get out. Dennis slams the door back shut of the, the patrol car. His pant leg gets stuck. So now he's hopping through the car wash. Instead of just saying, you, my pants are stuck in your car. Yeah, like the there, was no, there was no reason. That whole and scene so, was weird. Yeah, so he goes through the whole car wash. I will say that there were certain lines in this movie that I would turn and yell to Ken. And he's like, I don't know what you're doing. And then it would play on, this, on the screen. He's like, you, you know this movie too well. <laughs> and so <laughs> one of those lines was, complimentary hot wax (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then they get into so now the cop car stuck in the car wash they get into the car and they head back yeah and i know there's a scene between gabby and mud in the the bus the bus bus. i don't know if we missed that scene no it's right here okay and so Where, where they're talking about how they're not popular they're geeks and if they do get popular promise to only date ex-geeks don't date the popular people and so you can kind of see that they like each other but neither one is willing to kind of admit to it because they're probably insecure of the other one really likes the other one yeah Um, and mud is like talking her up he's like in a few years uh you won't be as lumpy because he's uh, in a nice way to say not fat which she's not fat again trigger warning this <laughs> this scene where i thought in my y2k brain was super very cute, sweet yeah is and then, atrocious now and then he also says you're gonna grow some chests yes <laughs> It's just super weird. You'll be great. You guys will like you once all these other things happen. That's yeah. pretty much 
what is being said in this scene where she doesn't say anything to mud about why he won't be able to get anybody it'd be great to say your your dick won't get bigger but maybe you'll get taller like she don't yeah where is the equality in this why is it the female is being just yeah yeah Yeah. the juxtaposition about how all he has to do is grow taller age up a little bit and he'll be fine whereas she has to work on her weight and hopefully she gets some boobs because if you stay flat chested it's over yeah yeah it's just i don't know that whole scene icky and then they have another cute scene in the kitchen Mm -hmm. but i don't know if that's where where that falls but they're cute they're they're cute together yes they are they are really cute together tr polk breaks and enters into dennis van walker's trailer at home snooping around sees he works for shea cheese goes to shea cheese and sees postcard. a postcard from dennis why are you writing your work dennis? <laughs> and why are they hanging it up why yeah. is the postcard hung up yeah that scene was also weird and so now polk is on is on the set yes. on his way um, and then it cuts to Mud and Dennis chilling and talking. Dennis tells him, just because you're smart doesn't mean you can't act stupid. It's your constitutional right, which comes back into play later. And then, oh, this was right around the same time that the doctor is coming over for dinner. So right. they go for their checkup and Dennis somehow gets her to agree to to come to dinner so around his place come see that it's a safe environment for mud yes. and then they have dinner and they're just sitting around and mud falls asleep and so then you know he wants to be alone with the lady she's like oh we got to put him to bed and he's she's like where's his bedroom he's like oh i got it he's i give him the big room and he t- picks up mud takes him to the back door where there's no room it's just the porch the porch and <laughs> drops mud on the floor and says peace out so he can go kick it with the lady yeah and goes back to his bunk or whatever trish walks in zach is in whatever little garage he has still working on fixing the car and trish walks in and he goes if you were wearing a skirt i'd be in heaven right now because he's squatting on the ground and she's up above it i was like that was just not highly unnecessary for a children's movie i know they're pre-teens and all but I mean, I feel like kids say stuff like this, but not, I don't know about you. I don't know. It's I just, don't know. It's too much. Yeah. And then Heather, the Trish's sixth grade counterpart is really homesick and she's just kind of sitting very quiet watching Zach work. And he's like, what's wrong? What can I do? And really seeing a sensitive side of Zach that you really hadn't seen prior. And then he gives her a can of nuts and washers and stuff. And he's like, here, let's build a necklace. And he shows her how to string everything on metal wire. So he hands her the can and he's like, here, go build a necklace. And tomorrow we'll build me a necklace. And so that was a really sweet scene where you see a different side of Zach that where he's not putting on this front. Right. There's a fight scene with Mud and the rest of them. He he goes all the way to the, you're going to poke your eye out with, with that. Did we miss that scene? where nobody's listening to him um because like people are writing letters and and saying we we must have 
yeah yeah so he he gathers everyone around i think it's around the same scene as gabby making omelets for everyone yeah i think mud is just we don't have to go into it into it but yeah. it's just feeling the stress of everything and knowing that no one else is being responsible mm-hmm. maybe with the exception of gabby and he doesn't want them to get caught he's feeling a lot of pressure and yes. so and the other kids aren't really taking it or him too seriously so yeah so the doctor shows up unannounced that next day and sees all the kids just running amok and knocks on the door and and so Dennis answers the front door no one's there and then she knocks again and he realizes it's the back door and she's like we're out here in Mud's room and (laughs) now the doctor knows I feel like because somehow Dennis convinces her to let it go to let it go and that he was going to supervise all the kids really well and blah 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 this is a a lady who has her phd like first of all her license is at stake at this point yes because this is child endangerment and you knew about it and you didn't do anything she is legally (laughs) bound to To report report this she is a mandated reporter yeah so yes it comes about where all the parents kind of start wanting a parent's day yeah. and so they kind of start making excuses as why they they're gonna come up oh we're driving by we'll just swing through or blah 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 there's a convention in town we'll be up there anyway and so then the kids have to pivot and like okay let's organize this parents day and so it's all four parents days on the same day which I don't understand yeah why did they do them I don't know so then it's this elaborate plan and alley-ooping all these parents. Which this, honestly, out of all the parts of the movie, this that's this part is my favorite part. Yes, I, I really do love this part. They show Arnold's dad, Danielle. It's Commander Riker of the Starship Enterprise. I know, and Jeannie Francis, who is Laura from Luke and Laura General Hospital. So we both were fangirling when we saw them parents did you know that they're married in real life hell yes i know hell yes i know so we have captain janeway and first commander Riker, (laughs) and this this star this star trekker is very happy and we had jonathan jackson and Jeannie francis from general hospital this soap opera stalker is very happy I love this. <laughs> I love this journey for us. I do too. This needs to be a TikTok. <laughs> Anywho. Oh, at one point in the movie, Jonathan Jackson is wearing a shirt that says lucky on it. Don't. <laughs> Don't even. I'll come in together. Parents start showing up for Parents' Day. First is Zach's dad. They put him <laughs> in a foxhole and just abuse the shit out of him. And put like gave him two pieces of bread. Dirt is in it. Yeah, like they set the firecrackers all around him, <laughs> hitting him in the head with a flour sack. And so Zach's like, he'll be good for a while. So they just leave Dad in the hole. And every time he tries to get out, there's like things shooting at him and yes. like noises so he's good 
then there is, was it Annie next? I think so. Oh yeah. They make it seem like the parents are there late. So you only see the end where she's singing tomorrow. And- yeah. <laughs> And it's, there's not even an audience. They rig up dummies with president masks on them and had pre-recorded applause. And so all of the theater parents are taken care of. Then it's the computer camp kids. And this camp happens to be near a military base where there's daily flyovers. And so they plan it so that they're arguing about scrambling the jets like they've fucking hack the military and then the flyover happens and all the parents are like this, holy shit they're not hacking the military right well blah, blah, blah. so they're impressed with this camp because the kids have learned how to be hackers <laughs> and then because the the jets are going over uh zach takes that opportunity like incoming <laughs> just really laying it on thick with his dad And I will give the dad credit. He kept his fucking cool. At the end, he was like, all right, well, I've had, I've seen enough. I'm I'm, going to go home now. I'll I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then Gabby's mom just walks in on her in the Mm -hmm. kitchen and then she compliments her and he looks so skinny. And and I'm just like, fuck you, movie. (laughs) You're practically spelt. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, that it's mom, man. It's too fucking So much. really their downfall is they tie too many things <laughs> from strings hanging in the ceiling. They were so, so close. So close. So was it the police officer walks in or did T.R. Polk walk in? Or did they all walk in together? I think they walked in together. And they step on this board, which lets go of a string. And then he hits the other strings. And so, but I was looking at it and there was nothing out of the ordinary. You would string things up like that. At a a a camp. Well, at a camp in general, especially you don't know if that building is multi-purpose for different camps throughout the year or whatever, because you can have a spring break camp that's theater and then they use it in the summer for computers or whatever. That to me didn't feel immediately questioning. Yeah. You know, it was just a lot of random stuff, but you have a lot of random shit at camp, I feel. Well, they got caught though. They did because one of the strings was holding up sheets that you could see all the different camps yeah but again it was just a group of kids cheersing like yeah we did a great parents day it wasn't immediately obvious that it was four (laughs) different camps yeah all together I don't know It, it just it wasn't immediately intuitive to me as an adult yeah that parents would immediately question what was going on you know yeah So anyway, that's my two cents. Dennis is packing everything he owns into his gremlin because shit has hit the fan. (laughs) They're finally figuring out that parents have been hoodwinked. And so Hendrix, the the police officer is interviewing different parents. He's all confused. He's asking theater parents, how much weight has your son lost? He's (laughs) He's all flustered. (laughs) <laughs> mud runs down to dennis who's packing up his car they have 
an elaborate conversation. Do you have time for this, Dennis? <laughs> I don't think he does. You, you need to get gone because you kidnapped essentially an entire busload of kids for the summer. <sighs> But he does tell Mud, disappear into the woods for six hours. They'll be so happy they found you. They won't care what you did, which I thought was kind of, kind of a good plan. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Christine would have whooped that ass. <laughs> I don't care if you've been in the woods. That would have made her even more mad that she, I made her scared on top yeah. of all the shenanigans. I think any parent, there's no way they would have, this wouldn't have happened in real life. And then Mud goes and finds the doctor and is like, camp's over, we got busted. She's like, yeah, I know. And then they walk, uh, because he is, he he got lost in the woods, not for six hours, but he goes and like just sits in the middle of the woods and poking at a log with a stick or something, contemplating his life choices, I guess. And so the doctor comes in and sits next to him and he's like, we got busted. She's like, yeah, I know. And so then they walk back to camp and Mud obviously thinks Dennis is now on the run, but he's not. He's he's taking blame for everything and, and as he saying, should saying he coerced all the kids and they didn't know what they were doing. Essentially, he said, I wanted to get all these kids together and then start with the religious indoctrination, which <laughs> again. <laughs> There's a lot of cult theme inadvertently in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's really um, laying it on thick, even with his confession. Yeah, always the actor. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Mud come up and say no? Yeah, well, Mud goes, okay, well, if this was all your idea, where's the money? And he's like, oh, I have it stashed somewhere, blah, blah, blah. And Mud's like, in my sock? And pulls out like a fat wad of cash. And so mm. then the parents realized it was much like the app, but again, a preteen <laughs> and an adult. Yeah. And yes. so his parents are like, I can't believe you. And so then mud alley-oops him with that. Just because I'm smart doesn't mean I can't act stupid and all is forgiven. Apparently. Uh, uh, <laughs> And then there's a throwaway line about how no one's pressing charges. Mud walks up to T.R. Polk and he's like, hey, this is all the money I have left. Will this take care of Dennis's debt? And T.R. Polk goes, you're a little short. And Mud goes, well, you're a little fat. (laughs) Hit him where it hurts, Mud. Hit him where it hurts. Unnecessary. Goes violent. Oh, 100% 100% chose violence in that moment. But T.R. Polk is like, yeah, I can write off some shit. And then I retire with a clean record. And then he goes to the, the police officer and says, hey, if you're ever in Boca, don't look me up. <laughs> I don't know how these kids get away with it. I don't. I don't know. First of all, as a parent, I've been like, where the fuck's my money? Y'all spent yeah. all that money? Yeah. That's what I wrote. I'm like, he doesn't have to give the money back. He's paying off this grown ass man's debt instead. Yeah. I mean, Dennis did do a lot for yeah. them. And so then Mud's grounded till he's 30. They show Zach and Trish kind of talking and the whole time Zach's talking about dropping out. I'm like, you were 13. You're not even in fucking high school yet. Why are you <laughs> dropping out? 
And so the whole time Trish is really upset that Zach keeps talking about dropping out. And then Zach says something about in school next year. And so Trish is like, you're not dropping out. (laughs) Zach says, I got to be there for the greatest love of all. I don't understand. Uh, Who needs drama camp when you have these two? (laughs) Honestly. But in that scene, again, very sweet. Zach is wearing the necklace that Heather Heather made. made. Yeah. Yo, and in five years, he's going to be dating Heather. Trish will be a, a little thought in his mind. Yep. Trish goes over and thanks Mud for an awesome summer and gives him a kiss on the cheek and Mud's kind of starstruck for a second. Oh, and Gabby goes and punches him. Yep. And you're, she's like, you said only ex-geeks. He's like, I know I was momentarily distracted. And then they share a kiss, a really awkward kiss. Super awkward. Sure was probably the first kiss for both of them in real yeah. life or- fake life they show dennis getting ready to peace out in the car that zach worked on repairing all summer and (laughs) with the fucking doctor they just they're just taking off where are they going what did we learn kids (laughs) that if you run a corrupt camp you get away in a nice car (laughs) that's 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 the theme for both movies High deception equals high reward. Yeah. (laughs) And then the end scene is Walter chilling in the lake because his parents didn't immediately yoke him up and take him home. Which again, doesn't sound like a black parent. I know. (laughs) So he's chilling in the water. Betty walks up and she's like, do you, you have the gut? He's like, what you talking about? (laughs) And she said, I have the guts, throws her bathing suit at him. And she's like, do you have the guts? And so he takes off his bathing suit, Mm. throws it in front of her. And he's like, yeah, I do. (laughs) So then this bitch starts walking out of the lake. She just happens to have a strapless bathing suit on. So he couldn't see that wearing a bathing suit and she said gee walter you really do have the guts just not an extra bathing suit end scene (laughs) (laughs) and danielle yeah although i wrote that line down i didn't have to read it i have that scene memorized (laughs) i'm not surprised do you know that that scene with Gabby's mom, when you said felt, I already knew. I, I like that is so ingrained in my head. There's so many parts of this movie that like just live with you, you know? Yep. But um, um, so this was the film debut of Jonathan Jackson and Danielle. Yeah. We need to take a field trip. There is a fucking bar named Camp Nowhere in North Providence, Rhode Island, Names and themed after this movie. Uh, when I'm, we go in, my auntie and uncle live in Rhode Island. We got a place to stay. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't see why not. <laughs> I just never thought I was going to Rhode Island, but okay, I'm down. 
<laughs> so now, now we're going there. We have to go to Oregon to the last blockbuster. Can we go somewhere that's not the whitest places in America? <laughs> we we'll can go to back to New York. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll have to think of something movie related to do in New York. Yeah, 100%. I'm down to go. There are a lot of really cool bars. I want to go to Canada because there's the Harry Potter theme bar that like does these crazy drinks. So maybe that's what we should make a list of bars that are after some of our favorite movies. Yes, we'll have to do some research. Okay, well, well, that was Camp Nowhere. Danielle, what's what's your rating? Um, (laughs) I mean, my rating, Camper Danielle. Oh is still even with the questions and the disbelief it still would buy it would buy it again because i would watch it over and over again even as an adult one thousand percent same i enjoyed every (laughs) moment i watched of this ridiculous movie i will tell you as soon as i got disney plus first movie i watched was camp nowhere I didn't because I had just watched it before I got Disney plus. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, well it's there too. So we did camp nowhere. We did heavyweights. heavyweights. There's a lot of similarities between the movies, but for us on this podcast, camp nowhere is the clear winner. A hundred percent. Yes. Stay tuned for next week. We have a great one. The babysitters club. And we have a special guest. We have Natanya Ross. We will be doing a fun interview with her who is also in The Secret Life of Alex Mack as well as The Babysitter's Club. So it'll be great to- He plays Grace, one of Cokie Mason's lackeys in The <laughs> Babysitter's Club. So we're super excited about that. As usual, if you have questions, insights, anything you want to tell us about our wonderful pod girl summer, hit us up on- <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and no more late fees. And if you really want to let us hear how you feel, give us a shout out on our Google Voice number 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. Hit us up at the quick drop. That's what we're calling the segment. And you could be featured on the podcast. And with that, I hope you guys continue to have a wonderful summer. Be safe out there. And Jackie, as always, be kind and rewind.